Uh, when my son Tim, let's start out with him this morning, was about four or five, give you a little story. Uh, we went out shopping one day, probably for clothes. I really don't remember. That was a long, long time ago. But I do remember as we were going in that the, there was a wall, I think it was Walmart, and there was a wall full of those uh, little vending machines, you know, little gumball machines. They were just lined the wall, remember that? And, you know, there was all kinds of things that would dazzle the eyes of a four or five-year-old kid. And, well, the kids had just gotten their allowance, and you know how it goes. It was burning a hole in his pocket. So I watched him as his eyes got real big, and he's looking at all these things, and, and he, he finally centers on what he wants. And uh, he said, I want to get this, Dad, can I? And he pointed to that thing, and being slightly smarter than a five-year-old, I said, well, Tim, I said, let me explain something to you. That thing that's taped to the front of that machine, there's probably only one in that machine if there's any. Now, that thing is worth a quarter. Actually, that thing's worth a whole lot more than a quarter. That would be great. But 98% of the things that are in there aren't it. And, and what you'll probably end up with is some cheap plastic thing that's going to be broken before we leave the store. But I said, you know, it's your quarter. You do with it what you want to do with it, and we'll go from there. He says, Dad, I want, I want to try to get that. So the prophet that I was that day, he got a little plastic trinket that, in fact, was broken before we left the store, right? Fast forward about eight years, and my son Tim had saved up his allowance, his chore money, his birthday money, probably for like a couple of years. And he had over $300 and bought himself a Wii, you know, a game console, which he took pristine care of, ended up selling it, um, got a really good, uh, good price for it because it was such good shape. Uh, so somewhere along the line, the value of money and the value of waiting really settled on him, and I was very proud of him. So where am I going with all this? Well, I want to both challenge us and encourage us today. I'm going to give each of you $500. No. Um, <laughs> but there, there's something even more valuable that you and I have been given. That's time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't time also have a way of burning a hole in our pockets, so to speak, right? I mean, we have all kinds of offerings for our time, don't we? Some of them are good, solid investments, like prayer, like family time, like church, like work, right? All things that are valuable investments. Others may leave a little more room for interpretation, hobbies, entertainment, right? Uh-oh, I mentioned entertainment and the lights went out. Some things, like Facebook, can actually be a good ministry outreach and encouragement to people. 
Or they can be like, oh, really? It's been an hour? <laughs> right? A real-time robber, can't it? So let's be honest this morning, and I say we. We all struggle every day, don't we, with the lure of things for our time. The lure of things um, maybe that give us instant gratification versus long-term goals. Eating healthy versus the second cookie or the third. Exercise versus TV, right? Prayer and Bible study versus just about anything else. Can I get a witness this morning? We struggle, don't we? Instant gratification, it's, it's everywhere, right? But there's something fundamental here that is at the very core of our faith, of who we are as Christians, those who have come out of darkness and into the light, those uh, in whom lives the Spirit of God. Something that Jesus referred to a numerous times in the Gospels and the Apostles also affirmed in their Holy Spirit-led writings. But let me start with our next section in the book of John. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 7 this morning. Uh, in this next section of John, Jesus finds himself in a conversation with his unbelieving human brothers. And I, I think we're going to find something interesting there. I'm going to entitle today's message, God's Investment Plan. God's Investment Plan. John chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, says this, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may also see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. I almost entitled this, What Time Is It? <laughs> My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Hmm. That began to ruminate a little bit. Now, Jesus was a threat, or seen as a threat, on a lot of different levels. But basically, he pointed out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of the day. And if he had stirred up sufficient trouble, the Romans would have cracked down. They, they didn't like unrest. They didn't like things that were not peaceful. And if the peace was not kept by the, the Roman uh, guard and the governor or whatever, all those positions were open for, uh, you know, to get replaced. So they would squash unrest uh, at, the, uh, at the drop of a hat and bring in a, you know, a big squad of soldiers to take care of, or a cohort or whatever, to uh, take care of what needed to be done. So they could have cracked down really hard with this Jesus movement thing, stirring things up, 
and seriously disrupt the way that the religious leaders had been running things. So because of that, there were many among the current leaders in Israel who wanted Jesus out of the way. And Jesus knew that. He also knew that at some point he would give himself uh, into their hands and fulfill the greatest sacrifice, which would ultimately mean eternal salvation for the or potential for the human race, for all who would believe in him. That time was coming, but that time was not yet. He still had things to do. Uh, and the father would tell him when it was time to bring his earthly life and ministry to a close. So he's not traveling around Judea where the religious leaders are. He's out in Galilee. He's out in the boonies ministering to people, right? Uh, healing and teaching and that kind of thing. And he stays there. But his brothers, who, as the scripture says, don't believe in him, um, they, they say to him, basically, what are you doing out here in the boonies? If you, you know, you want to be known as this important person, right, that you think you are, um, then you need to be in Judea. There's, there's this huge feast, you know, annual feast going on. Everybody's going to be there and all that. Why don't you just show yourself openly? And look what Jesus says to them in verse 6. He says, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Now, we already talked about the fact that Jesus' time to give himself up was not yet come. But I don't think that he's referring to that here because he contrasts it with their time. Okay? My time's not yet come. Your time is always here. They're certainly not going to sacrifice themselves for the world. So what's he talking about? Well, his brothers were sarcastic, okay? Scripture says they didn't believe in him. But what they were saying to him is, show the world who you are, right? So that you can be in your glory, so that you can receive your due, so that you can get all the accolades, and that if you're this important person that you claim to be, why don't you just get it out in the open and just have your moment, and Jesus said, my time has not yet come. My moment has not yet come. My time to receive my due. Um, that's, 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 that's not now, and it's not even here. You know, we know there will be a day, right, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When his people will celebrate him and rejoice in his presence, and there will be great, great celebration, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all of that, right? That's coming. That's coming, but it's not now. And Jesus is saying, uh, that's, that's future, and that's not what I'm laboring for. Now think about it, though, for a minute. Jesus could have revealed himself. He could have allowed them, as they, they wanted to at certain times, make him king, right? And so he could have had an earthly kingdom, 
And since he had, you know, all power and everything, I mean, he could have just reigned on the earth forever and ever and, and just had everything this world has to offer, couldn't he? And isn't that the same thing that, that Satan tempted him with in Matthew 4? Listen, I give you all the kingdoms of the world, right? You can have them. You can have them. Lord over the whole world. But Jesus had a view of life that was different. Matthew 20, 28, he said this, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus understood two things. One, that his earthly existence was not for him. It was for others. And two, that there would in fact be a time for him to receive his due. And it would be ever so much greater than anything this world has to offer. Jesus knew that. So he says, not going there. My time's not yet. But your time, he says, is always here. Your time is always here because all you're looking for is this world's goods. All you're looking for is the accolades and praise of this world. You can get that anytime, right? You can achieve, you can become, you can get all of that now, anytime, because that's all you're looking for. But it's short-lived and it's unsecure at best, as he said in Matthew 6, uh, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, there is a truth that only enlightened hearts understand. And that's this from Luke 9, 24. Jesus said, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We've talked a lot about the inward-focused life, the outward-focused life. Those that want to save their life will end up losing it. They'll end up with nothing in the end. But those who lose their life, those who spend their life serving others, ministering to others, those are the ones that will save it. Those are the ones that in the end will have the riches of glory, right? Now, I love this country, don't you? Greatest nation's ever been. And there is nothing wrong with us working and laboring to provide a quality of life for our families, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. As long as the American dream doesn't replace 
doesn't eclipse, doesn't overshadow the kingdom dream. You know what I'm saying? As long as the American dream, for me, doesn't eclipse the kingdom dream for you. The kingdom dream, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kingdom dream, an earthly life spent serving, ministering, reaching to others, using our gifts, talents, time, and resources to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the kingdom dream. That's the thing that enlightened hearts understand. Two ways to live life, two worldviews. Right? One, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on a can. Right? The other, how can I be a blessing? How can I spend my life on others? And not because we are commanded to do so, which we are, but because Christ lives in us. Because he who is love lives in and through us. That's why. Because his heart becomes our heart. And so, just like our master we begin to reach, we begin to sow, we begin to invest in the lives of other people. So that someday in his presence, we will hear these words from Matthew 25. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it unto the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When all is said and done, What is our life about? That's what's obviously important to Jesus in the end, isn't it? The challenge for us today, I told you I was going to give you a challenge and encouragement. The challenge for us today is to look at our lives and see what we're investing in. as God has been challenging me. Ron, look at your portfolio. What are you investing your life in? What are you doing with that 24 hours? What are you doing with that 1,440 minutes that I give you every day? 
Are we investing in this passing world or in the world to come? That's the challenge. And the encouragement today is, you know, sometimes we sacrifice for others. We, we, we sacrifice intentionally. We do things for others. We serve others. It looks like it's not doing any good. You wonder, you know, I did this, I did this. Is it doing any good? Right? Or sometimes you do the best that you can and it backfires and you go, Shh, what's the use? What's the use? And it may discourage us from doing that thing again. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many have been hurt trying to do the right thing? Right? Sometimes it backfires. The best intentions of your heart to love and to serve someone else. I want to encourage you today. Don't get discouraged. Because as you do it unto someone else, in the motive of the love of your heart, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And whether you ever see any result of that here on this earth, I want to tell you, you are investing in your heavenly future. Our time, beloved, is not yet come. Our time is coming. Our time to receive our due. Our time to uh, have life to its fullest is coming. It's not here. Right? How many times are, are we told we, we're not of this world? We're strangers. We're aliens. We're just passing through, right? That's We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's Son. We, we, we have a new purpose. We have a new goal. We have a new way of looking at life. All of this, right? We have an inheritance that's coming. There are crowns. But again, not that we do it for the crowns, but Jesus does mention it, doesn't he? He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Again, the motivation should be because Jesus is living in me, and the more I come to know him, the more gratitude I have for his love, the more that love is going to flow out of me towards other people. That's the motivation. But even in that, Jesus says, I want to tell you, you're laying up for yourselves treasures. You don't have a clue how glorious they're going to be. So, any time that we spend ministering to others, any resources that we give toward others, trust me, that's part of God's investment plan. And tongue-in-cheek, that's been said before, his, his retirement plan is out of this world. Right? It's out of this world. So, a challenge and an encouragement. Keep it up. Do it more and more 
as these days are upon us. Love, serve, do, do a little soul searching. God, what, it, the, the question I, I think that we can all ask is, okay, Lord, what have you given me? And what is the regular outlet of my faith? James talks about this, that, that if, if you see, if you have this world's goods and you have a brother or sister that comes in and they don't have anything and you say, have a good day, be warmed, well-fed, and you do nothing about it, he says, what, what kind of faith is that? Faith without works is dead, right? So we ask ourselves, what is the regular outlet of my faith? Where am I showing my faith on a regular basis? What have you called me to, Lord? What's that, what's that ministry? What's that place where my faith is, is shown in my life, bears fruit in my life? What is it? And he will be faithful to show us. And some of us are already doing it. Some of us are already walking in it. All of us may be, right? But our faith is displayed to the world in our love and in our service, right? His through us. God's investment plan. It's awesome. We invest this life and we get the one to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand this life and the one to come. Help us, Lord, to take those 1,440 minutes a day and to invest them wisely. I know that you, Lord, you, you know that we need leisure. We need times of rest. Uh, that there's nothing bad about hobbies. There's nothing bad about watching a football game. But help us, Lord, to find that balance and to know, Lord, that we are investing in your kingdom. Speak to our hearts, Lord, we pray. We give you all the glory. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.